And now, a page from the Diary of Flo. Dear Diary, the ghost is back. This house is protected through Progressive, but that doesn't mean it's not haunted. How else would you explain that radiator-like clanking sound? Or the moon-colored light in the hallway that's gone by morning? Maybe he never bundled home an auto, and he's doomed to suffer an eternity without the savings. Save an average of 17% on car insurance when you bundle home and auto through Progressive. <gasps> what was that wind-like sound? Oh, right, the wind. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Yo, what up, podcast people? It's the one and only Legend of Winning, a.k.a. Low, and we back with another episode of the Off Top Podcast, better known as the Sixth Man of the Year. Now, the reason why I named it that, you'll figure out sooner than later, because I got to get back in my bag on one of these players that I thought I was going to let let it be. But, you know, he acting up yet again. But before we get into all that, yo, agent, talk to the people, man. Talk to the people. Let them know what's good, man. Man, man, Lo, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I'm going to be so honest right now. I don't, I don't miss the, the Utah Jazz game because I was watching the 2K League, bro. I had to. I had to. Just one time. I missed the Jazz game, but I caught up on everything. Don't worry about it. We got to talk about my guy, Joe Ingles. I'm going to call him that. Oh, okay. real, real, quick, real quick. Is that a thing? Is the is the 2K E-League a thing? It's, yeah, the 2K League. So I, I was curious. You know, I want to watch the first day of all the teams, and I saw the Jazz game. And, yo, I love the Jazz. I mean, I don't think they'll beat the Rockets. We'll talk about that. But I was like, damn. So I caught up afterwards. I was really impressed. Uh, but yeah, it literally goes on at the same time. I don't know why they're competing with the playoffs because we know how that's going to end. But anyway, yeah, that's a fact. I mean, if they part of the NBA, why are they uh, getting part of that? But hey, before we get into that though, let's let's start off juicy like we normally do, right? Let's start off juicy, you know. So uh, what's that mean? What's that? What the fuck? Is we're that? we're gonna start off juicy. We're gonna get to the we're gonna get to the punch because it would only be right because when OKC when they underperformed and they start choking in the playoffs, we got right to them. So Let's get right to to the team that's choking right now. The Toronto Raptors have Are you taken about a, the first. The to, I can't believe the, you the, said the, that. The Toronto <laughs> Raptors. No, 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 no. Let's let's get into this because it's only fair that we do this. The Toronto. Oh yeah, and before we get into this, we will be doing our uh, second round predictions as well. Even though, yes, we know people. Some of the games have transpired, but we're still going to get into our, some predictions, of our predictions. We, we made them pre playoffs. So I know, but we're still we're still going to do it, Agent. Calm down. Calm your tits, all right? All right, all right. Calm your tits. So, as we know, you know, the first round is already under... I mean, the second round has already gone underway. We have the Toronto Raptors along with the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers matched up in the second round, the first and fourth seed. The Toronto Raptors headed into the series with home court advantage. This is Agent Zero's favorite team. And this is a team that I did indeed predict to make it past the second round and hopefully uh, get to the NBA Finals. But I, I think that... um. I see a little bit more with the Philadelphia 76ers now. However, they can't get past the second round if they choking the way they choking. You know what I'm saying? So hey, this yo, is the team. Talk, no, well, let me, let me get off the mic. No, 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 no. Let me get in my bag real quick and I'm going to let you spit. All right? I'm going to let you get in. The Toronto Raptors heading into the fourth quarter had a lead. A lead that they should have been able to capitalize on. But unfortunately, yet again, right on cue, right on time. It's like clockwork with the Toronto Raptors. They choked the lead against 
in, in a game where LeBron really didn't have his greatest outing and he had a lot of turnovers, he really wasn't knocking down his threes. Shout out to OG and no because I think he did a, a really good job on his but on his part. Mind you that he's a rookie, and this is the reason why I'm I'm just done lowering my standards for other players in the NBA because you got rookies stepping up huge in the playoffs so far. Um, but LeBron didn't have the greatest game, didn't shoot well, but they still found a way to win as the uh. Toronto Raptors dropped the ball in the fourth quarter. Valanchunas missed significant amount of tips, which is just ridiculous. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan Did yet you again. Did criticize the guy for missing a tip? Come on, man. You're telling me Valanchunas didn't miss multiple tippings? At the end of the game, it wasn't just Jonas. It was like four tips that were missed. That Bro, I'm, 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 if you let me, if you let me keep going, I'll, I'll keep right, going. You know what? Continue. But, but, Val, but, Val, but it wasn't just that last play. Valanchunas missed a lot of just put back tip ins and stuff like that towards the end of the game. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan couldn't get the ball rolling at the end of the game. And I guess, you know, Fred Van Vliet, you die by Van Vliet and you live by Van Vliet, apparently, right? Like you die by the three, you live by the three, you die by the Vliet, you live by the Vliet. And they pass it to Fred Van Vliet. You're, you're for not the saying game winner. substance though. Let me cut you off. Oh, oh, oh okay. All right. Go ahead and get in your bag then. All I'm saying, now, let, let, me, me, oh, let me say, let me say it like this. If y'all lose this series, I'm going I'm to have to get in my bag, agent. That's you, what I'm yo. saying. But go ahead and go, man. Go so, ahead and go, man. I still I don't, got y'all winning, man. Chill out, man. Come on. Go ahead and go, though. Why? We need to talk about the double standards. Houston drops a game, and the question isn't, is Houston going to choke everything? The question is, wow, Utah's more impressive than we thought. When's Houston going to bounce back? The Raptors missed one game where they were leading the entire game. Literally, the first lead the Cavaliers had was in overtime. Think about that. So what separates... That makes it worse. Rap- that makes it worse, but go ahead, go, man. Well, it's it's just facts. However you want to interpret it is the way you do. All right. Unlike previous years, this year, time and time again, we see reports. They seem super calm, there both Larry go. and DeRozan. There we go. Uh, surprisingly calm. Almost so calm that you might start questioning whether they care or not. But I think... And keep in mind, I've been in class presentations where I'm sweating buckets because I didn't really prepare, right? But I look calm on the outside. And the teacher's like, you did a great job. Wow, wow. And I'm like, no, I was nervous. But So they could be nervous and just masking it. Who knows? But I think it, their, their demons got to them. But it also got to them in game four versus the Wizards. Why is everybody acting surprised? Well, because this, is, Raptors... game, this is game one. No, no. That's Curiously enough, though, this is the first time I've seen... Their team is too tired to win as a widely used go. excuse. There we go. Okay, so okay, okay. in in previous years, in literally almost every other year, the Cavaliers are the most rested team because they were breezing through the Eastern Conference. And so in those situations, nobody looked at the teams like when the Pacers were going at the Heat. Nobody looked at those teams and said, wow, look, they don't even have enough rest to beat the." Nobody said that. That wasn't an excuse that was made. But uh, people, people were hitting me up low. And I can't believe they were saying this. They said, look, how did, how did the, 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 the very tired Cleveland team beat your Raptors? And I'm like, what? Is that what we're saying? We're allowed to use that? Wait, you're, you're telling me the last two years in the playoffs and the Raptors are barely squeaking by game sevens. I could have ran around saying the Raptors were tired and that would have been an admissible excuse. Are you kidding me? The Raptors. I don't, I don't, I don't think people are saying that. I think what people are saying is that. Y'all, if you're, if you're saying that they're going to win this series, you can't, you can't drop game one to a team that just went seven games with another team and they just got done with that series right. like two days ago. Okay. Like you can't, that, that's unexcusable. <clears throat> Things happen. 
is basketball. They missed four tips in the dying seconds, right? If you look, <clears throat> it just seemed like the team was having some sort of nervous breakdown. It almost seems like the Raptors do not <laughs> believe they can beat the Cavaliers because mm. of all the, mm, all like the repetitive attempts and them losing over and over and over. It almost reminds me of how the Pacers kept losing to the Heat. Uh, when they had their big three, no, they put, they, put, they put up a better fight than what y'all just did last, the other night. I disagree because they had games where they were getting. Remember, they had a very inconsistent offense, the Pacers. So let me put this in perspective: the Raptors are a top five team on both offense and defensive efficiency throughout the entire year. They're going up against a Cleveland team who, in the first round, ranked the bottom of all teams in offense, and of course, we've seen all of their defensive struggles yet. For the first time in the entire playoffs, we saw players like Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith step up, and that's not a coincidence. If you're a good defensive team like the Raptors are, I know OG did a good job, but time and time again, I've seen players collapse, and weirdly enough, Lo, it was Serge Ibaka who I noticed was the culprit, who was slow to rotate, who was ball-watching instead of acting and moving, and so it almost looked like the Raptors were the tired team, even though going into it, they were the most rested team. It was almost pathetic going into the fourth quarter. You know, DeRozan made a couple good shots. And even Lowry was pulling up with like 20 seconds left on the shot clock. And I'm asking questions like, what were you thinking? It's, that, that should never happen. It should, it should never happen. But the reason I'm not panicking yet is because what we've seen with even teams like the Houston Rockets is like there's some games where you're just going to be off. And the Raptors' three-point shot was off. And across the board, they might have had a couple guys shooting well. The whole team as a whole was shooting horribly. And so there's going to be games where you shoot horribly. The thing about it is you you just lost home court advantage to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that was your, your biggest thing going into it. That's what you were fighting for all season. And now you have to fight for that back. And so the same way we're going to talk about, I'm not really worried Houston is going to lose the series. I'm not worried the Raptors are going to lose the series. They had control of the entire game, right? And so it was really just about getting over the hump. And all it might take is getting one win for them to really start to believe that they could really take on LeBron James. Because you see LeBron low late in the game. He was pulling up for high post. That man, I, ain't gonna, I mean, but that man looked tired, though. I ain't going to lie to you. Like, all, all, this, all this talk about, like, oh, he man. so Le- much minutes. Yeah, so I don't think it was... I don't, I don't know. The whole, like, this whole talk about, like, oh, man, LeBron, he's in his prime. And, like, oh, man, I ain't going to lie to y'all, bro. LeBron looks, he looks tired. Like, this is, like, the first time. And y'all can sit there and lie to yourselves. And y'all can bust a nut over points, rebounds, and assists that he posts up. No, he look, he looked tired. He looked tired, man. Interestingly enough, uh, when the team isn't performing, but LeBron is, LeBron takes all the credit. But when the team performs... Then LeBron still takes the credit regardless yeah, that was, of whether. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was crazy. Yeah, y'all, y'all LeBron fans, they gotta cut it out. The, that that team stepped up immensely during that game. Like I don't even think Jeff. I think Jeff Green went perfect from the field. Kyle Korver was on. Jr. was on. So we're not gonna sit here and just say it was still just LeBron. No, it was everybody else is knocking down their shots and they were making the plays they need to make. But I, I'll say this from someone who's not a Toronto Raptor fan. But I have bought into what the Raptors are doing this season. I am very concerned for the Raptors because Why? a I'll, I'll explain if you let me explain. I will explain, Agent. A you cut yourself off. I just asked why. <laughs> a, a a um the whole idea, like you said during the regular season, to make sure you got home court event. I mean, the first seed is to get 
home court advantage. And so for you to drop home court advantage in the first game, that is it. That's just, that is like the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. So that, that's one. B, when I'm looking at the Toronto Raptors have the lead entering the fourth quarter and then about halfway through the fourth quarter, you just, you can't even make a shot in the last seven minutes of regulation. The Toronto Raptors went a total of three for 16 from the field. Valanchunas went one for seven. So when you keep talking about it was just the last waning minutes of the game. No, from the seven minute mark to the end of the fourth quarter, Valanchunas was missing tip back after tip back after tip back. And so that is that is a problem. I don't care what you want to say, how you want to overlook it or anything like that. But there were still things that the Toronto Raptors consistently did throughout that entire fourth quarter that was just like I don't I don't understand how you're falling for the exact same things every single year Kyle Lowry wasted a timeout and then couldn't get the ball in play then you have the double team the very predictable double team from LeBron every single time that DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry gets pressured then you have someone coming up from their backside and double teaming them it's it's like the same thing every single year and for people out there who, who keep calling, uh, and I, tweet, I tweeted this out, for the people out there who keep saying that Draymond Green is, is overrated because the system that he's in and he just doesn't do anything, look at how Valanchunas reads the pick and roll and the double team from the opposing team. And watch how Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan can't get him the ball because he doesn't make himself seen. And even when he gets on, the ball... And on top of that, low. Even when he gets seen, he has zero hands rating. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I was about to say that too. Yeah, he cannot catch anything. Even even, it is unbelievable. Even when he gets the ball, he stumbles and fumbles with the ball when he gets it. And then even if he grabs it, he sometimes still doesn't make the right play by finding an open man or finishing at the basket. Those are things that. I know there's other players in the NBA that can do it, but Draymond excels at it. And so when people claim that Draymond is overrated, the reason why he's able to, um, he's able to produce the way he is able to produce is because the defense can no longer double Steph Curry the way that he used to because Draymond Green is able to do the things that he's able to do off the pick and roll and off the double and, and things of that nature. Valanchunas can't do those things. And so when you have, a team that is functioning with Valanchunas and DeMar on the floor of one another, and they're both struggling, and they can't space out the floor that well, and all it takes is somebody else on the floor who can't really knock down the threes that night, such as Serge or C.J. Miles or whoever may be struggling that night, then the floor strength, the floor shrinks immensely, and, and it just it makes it harder for them to function on the offensive end. But the, the third thing I want to be very clear about is that you keep pointing out what they did in the regular season. And I'm not necessarily saying that those things aren't valid arguments, but I will say this. There is something that is consistently being said about the Toronto Raptors, and that is that they're just a regular season team. And so even though using regular season numbers, and again, I'm not trying to say that it's it's not a valid argument, but if you're a team who gets criticized for not showing up in the postseason, you're nothing but a regular season team, those regular season numbers become invalid once the postseason begins. And I still had Toronto Raptors. I saw the Raptors winning this, um, this series, but that game in that fourth quarter and in the overtime, obviously that was extremely frustrating for me to just sit there and watch and just see the exact same thing over and over and over again. And the inability for them to be able to pick up on what exactly was happening. I, I don't know. And, and then, and I, I said this, I'm going to say this on the video I'm dropping today. 
I'm watching younger players enter the NBA and potentially surpass other players who've been in the NBA for like eight, nine, ten years. And DeMar DeRozan is in that pack of players who's been in the NBA for eight, nine, ten years, along with Paul George. And even though Gordon Hayward, he's not healthy this year, but still Gordon Hayward. And then if you're going to ask me next year, who's better between DeMar DeRozan and Oladipo or Donovan Mitchell or whoever else is going to start popping up, don't be surprised and don't be upset if I say they're better than DeMar DeRozan. That's all I got to say. All right, yeah, and I think that's two-pronged, though, because Oladipo's a good defender, and DeRozan doesn't really play well defensively. But I'll say this, and I'll end on this. I don't—so the Raptors as a whole, I think they played a good game. Mentally, I think they had themselves beat at the end. They need to talk to some sports psychologists. Do something, Lo. Like, like here's the thing, and on a, on a, on a very different scale, anytime you're doing something big that you've never done before, it can get daunting— but the first time you overcome that experience, or that AKA win a game, it becomes so much easier to do it the next time. And then you're not breathing so hard. The reason LeBron and Kobe Bryant and Michael, these guys go into their killer mode, is because they've done it so many times and they're not afraid of failure. The Raptors have to be afraid of failure because they hear it all the time. You know, they're, they're, they're just a regular season team. They don't do anything in the playoffs. So they have all this pressure on them and they don't know how to handle it because they have yet to overcome it. But I think the main thing they need to do, and it's not even necessarily a team thing, is Serge Ibaka needs to step up. Here's a person who, for the first couple games of the playoffs against the Wizards, was performing great. But ever since then, he slowly trailed off. And so, on top of the the turnover issue that the Raptors were having in that game one, Raptors had 14 turnovers. I believe the Cavaliers had six turnovers. Is You're giving the Cavaliers transition offense? Those are easy buckets for a bad offensive team. You can't let that happen. And so, last thing you want is all those guys, the J.R. Smiths, the Corvers, the Nances, the Clarksons, who were performing horribly in the previous series, to step up and start to perform phenomenally against you. It's not going to be a good look, especially if you're supposed to be a top defensive team. Serge Ibaka, I think, is at the core of that. He has to do a better job offensively of, one, hitting his threes, and two, defensively being active. You have to rotate. Too many times he's sleeping and he's looking like Russell Westbrook, although they both have the ability, speaking physically here, of defending some of the best players in the league. And you'll occasionally see Sergi switch on an athletic point guard and keep up with him. But it's like, damn it, man. It happened too many times for me to count. So uh, game two is happening today. Again, Raptors are home. And we'll see, man. I I do believe that the Raptors are not the same team as last year. Uh, I know that people are jumping to jump, uh, jumping to conclusions super quickly just because it's the Raptors. But we see it time and time again. There's going to be upsets and or games where you just don't play well. We've seen it happen with the Houston Rockets literally yesterday. Uh, they they should be all right. I think Sergi needs to step up and the team will be fine. That game one, both DeRozan and Lowry offensively played well. And so we just need that to happen for game two. By the way, shout out to the Cavaliers. Uh they just find ways to win, and I don't know how they do it, but they just do it. Even when they have everything stacked up, stacked up against them, whether they're tired or not, LeBron has to play fifty minutes some games or not. Like they just find a way, and that's what I think great teams do. So if the Raptors want to overcome the Cavaliers, they want to be a great team. They want to make it to the championship and make some noise. They want to break boundaries. They're gonna to have to do the same. Well, I'll, I'll say before we go on. Um, and be clear to the, the people who are listening to this, 
I'm not going to sit here and, and blame Serge Ibaka. I'm looking at Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan because that's this. This is what y'all want. This is what you all want. And so I'm. How I'm, they played well? Uh, last but game. no, no, no. We, we're t- no, no. We're talking about when the game was on the line, when it was time to win, in the in the last seven minutes of regulation and in overtime too. Kyle Lowry one for three. DeMar DeRozan multiple just some, some just really questionable decisions. And he couldn't read the double team yet again. That that's interesting so, though, because the Cavaliers did that last year and the year before against the Raptors, and they they even did it against the Pacers, and it worked some games. Is that trap defense? It almost puts players that aren't comfortable being trapped into a panic, and so at that point, it's really just about who can make the best decisions. And for the most part, the Pacers made horrible decisions because that's why their turnover numbers were so high throughout the series. But the Raptors, I think, have to find a way to turn around. They, I don't know why the Cavaliers might be the only team to run a trap defense. Well, no, 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 the, 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 no. The, and the reason why they're able to get away with it, and this is what I've been saying, and I, and I said this recently on Twitter as well, because the East is so damn weak that there's not any versatile forwards or bigs who understand how to read it, and the guards in the Eastern Conference are horrific when it comes to reading and anticipating double teams outside of outside outside of Kyrie Irving who LeBron has had the ability yeah. to play with on his team and now he's not even in the playoffs. These are things that the Chris Pauls, the the um Kyrie the Kyrie Irvings, the Steph Currys have been able to read and so when I have people and I'll even throw Damon in this conversation as well. When I have people sit here about Damian Lillard tell me, "Oh, Damian was getting double teams, so you got to give him some slack." Welcome to being a superstar. That is the whole. That's what you wanted. That's what they're going to give you. And I think the Dame Dame situation is different though, because it's not. It's not different. It's not. It's not different. The Raptors, but the reason the why, Raptors can relieve the double team with good shooters. I don't think Dame has a team that could help him relieve as much as no. The and, and, and I'm not making no excuses. And the saying what you just said is very very pivotal and why I'm I'm frustrated with this organization, this team, and and Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry. Like you just said, they did it the year before that. And they did it a year before that. And then when y'all played Milwaukee last year, if I'm not mistaken, they did it against y'all as well. This is a consistent theme that for whatever reason, y'all can't get over. So fucking put your big boy boots on and play basketball. Go do the research. Look at the film and anticipate the double team correctly. Because I'm going to be in my bag agent if y'all lose the series. Well, keep in mind the Cavaliers, the team has to continue to play this way. Oh yeah, yeah, that, and that's and that's a, yeah, that's another reason why I'm like I'm not too too all, all the way there yet because Jeff Green ain't about to shoot four for four. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Green ain't about to come off the bench shoot four for four, and then um, J.R. Smith uh, he shot like five for six from behind the arc, and Kyle Korver gave them crazy numbers as well. And Tristan Thompson, to the, Tristan Thompson played great yeah, that um last game. He did. I don't know where that's coming from. All of a sudden, the last few games, Tristan Thompson. Shout out to the, well, he's getting more minutes. To the Pacers. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he had to prove himself to get those minutes, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, when you're when you're an energy guy, you kind of need minutes to kind of get that energy going for you to be productive. So, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I think what threw him off is during the regular season he was hurt, and so that kind of threw him out of his rhythm. I think that's what it really was. But even in the first series, until like game six and seven, he wasn't really getting minutes. Yeah, because he yeah he just I don't, I don't know I don't know maybe because it was I don't know I don't know I don't know. Same goes with Jonas. They just tried him. They're like, oh shit, this works. But if Tristan's playing, they almost have to play Jonas. 
because Tristan will out rebound Bertle, and that's will the out rebound Siakam, and and that's where and this is also a side note. This is the reason why I don't think Ty Lue is worse than Billy Donovan because I think Ty Lue is aware of that. If he wants to keep Jonas on the floor, which in some instances might actually be a benefit for the Cavs, then he's going to be forced to play Tristan Thompson twenty five plus minutes. And if if that's the case, then they they should be able to figure out a way to be productive. And they understand that there's going to be a mismatch problem if the, if the two forwards in the starting lineup is going to be Kevin or the two bigs is going to be Kevin Love and LeBron, which then forces Serge Ibaka to guard a perimeter player that he may not be comfortable with. So I this is this is the reason why Ty Lue is a better coach than Billy Donovan for the people out there who's wondering. And this is the reason why there are some mis, mismatch problems and why Tristan Thompson is going to receive more minutes. But but still, Toronto, you, you, they they gotta play better and execute. Did better. you hear? Uh, I literally yesterday we found out the Cavaliers apparently are doing a one hundred dollar bet every single time somebody yeah. bites on a DeRozan pump fake. Yeah, I saw that. Which yeah. is interesting because I feel like they should be doing that for Jonas Valanciunas. At least DeRozan could shoot. You know, Jonas Valanciunas hits people with the meanest pump fakes, and he can't even. He has a decent mid range, but is nothing you should be jumping over. And it always, but he has. Literally one of the greatest pump fakes in the NBA right now. And you wouldn't think it, but he just keeps... Anyway, interestingly enough, I'm curious. Uh, I'm going to be counting while I watch the game tonight. We'll see who owes who how many dollars. I wonder like, if it goes into a jar and then they do like a jackpot at the end of the year whenever they lose to the Raptors. You know how it is, right? What a face. Well, let's move on to uh, the Celtics, man. Uh, the Celtics continue to surprise. Not me, though, because I had them moving on to the second round because I know what I'm talking about at all times. Uh, but guy. they won game. <laughs> they, they won game one, man. And and and, low man, I had to get your opinion on this, bro. What are the odds they find a way to beat the 76ers? Because it has a lot of people asking the question who previously thought maybe the 76ers would be the ones making it to the finals. Well, I don't. I don't think that. Um, the only thing that I'm really concerned about is a is a lack of execution and the Sixers inability to get into their sets quicker that is something that Boston I think they they excelled at down the stretch making sure they sealed Joel Embiid made it harder for Ben Simmons to find his spots and and that is something that's extremely um extremely difficult for a young team to understand the concepts is to get into sets or at least find easier ways to score once things to start to become stagnant uh, also that game I saw Bellinelli um, Ilisova and, um, Sarage. They played a whole Yeah, they, they played, they played bad. They didn't, they didn't shoot well. And so that's something that also isn't going to happen consistently throughout the, the series. And on top of that, though, Terry Rozier had a 29 point game on ridiculous shooting splits. And, and also, um, Jason Tatum put up a 28 point game. And, um, Al Horford found himself open for a few threes and he was able to get active as well. All three of those things are not going to happen again during the same game. So that's something that I'm not too concerned about either. Um, but again, the, the thing that I, that I saw from the Philadelphia 76ers, even when they were facing Miami, is their inability to get into certain sets offensively and just find the open man and just get easy, consistent offense going. Because some of their sets, I don't, I don't, to me, I feel like their sets should be get Ben Simmons in in as close as possible to the basket or get Joel Embiid the ball in the post and just space out the floor for him. Their sets were get J.J. Redick coming off of pin down screens and f- try to find J.J. Redick and Bellinelli open 
Well, I'm like, I don't think that shouldn't, I don't, I don't believe that should be your go-to set. I think the go-to set should be getting Ben Simmons as close as he can to the basket and then posting up Joel Embiid. And then through that, you're going to find open shooters. Why though? I mean, I get to focus on the primary players, but the reason they were able to win so easily against the Heat is because they got those shooters involved. Well, and the Bellinelli's were flying around off ball screens. Well, that, 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 that may have, that may have worked in that series, but I just, I don't think that Al Horford is going to have that much. I don't, I don't think he's going to have that much luck guarding Joel. I mean, even though Joel had very questionable moments defensively last game, he still put up 31 points and 13 rebounds on 54% shooting from the field. And he shot a uh, two for five from behind the arc. So it's not like Joel Embiid was bad. And it's not even like Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons was all that bad in the first quarter. He was, he was really, really slow. But by the end of the game, he started to pick it up a little bit and he had an 18 point outing and he shot 50, uh, 54, 55% from the field. Defensively, it's starting to become very obvious that he may not be able to keep up with some of the, um, the quicker guards. But it's, I don't know though, if, if you have two dominant players who create a mismatch problem for the opposing team, that's what I would go to from some of my offensive sets, not necessarily keep trying to find shooters open. I don't know. That's, that's just my thought on it. I'm, I'm not worried about the 76ers. Same way I'm not worried about Houston. If you take a look at the, just the plus minus, the Ben Simmons, Dario Saric, Bellinelli, uh, literally those two, Bellinelli and Dario Saric went 0 for 3 and 0 for 4 from the three point line. Both players that shot horribly throughout the game. That lineup, when it was on, was uh, minus 21, and I believe Darius Harrell was minus 23 in his plus minus. Point being said, it was literally one lineup that its inability to shoot kind of just drowned the 76ers, and then at that point, they were really trying to fight an uphill battle and make their way back from what seemed like a... Uh, every time they fought it and they brought it close, and it's nine points now, Celtics hit him back with an insane amount of three-pointers. Al Horford was there, Terry was there. The thing is, is... I don't think the Celtics' offensive output will drop next game. I just think that the 76ers will increase, and so it will make the game a lot more interesting. Plus, the 76ers are home? Third seed, yeah. So, uh, the fact that they're home, I'll have the 76ers winning the next game. No, no, the, 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 six, the Sixers are home. It's still the Celtics. The Celtics are the second seed. Celtics are? The, oh, because they had Kyrie, yeah. right. You're bugging. Okay, so 76 or 13. You don't know what you're talking about. Relax, slow. So I, I was, I saw this question asked. I think it was on like Undisputed. Uh, and they had an interesting answer. They, they were asking if Kyrie came back and he was healthy and he was in the rhythm, whatever, how much better would the Celtics team be? Cause just looking at how Terry Rozier is playing, literally all of their players that need to step up are stepping up when it matters. It almost feels like even if Kyrie came back, of course you would see a Kyrie in a closer. Uh, his He'd be a magnet. He would attract people, get people open for threes. But, man, as games go on, it's not even like I'm as impressed with the depth flow. I'm impressed with Brad Stevens' ability to keep up with all these teams, even though a lot of people would have just defaulted to the, well, we don't have our two top players, so it doesn't really matter. But, but he's finding ways to win, and it almost seems like at any given moment, he's not even taking credit for it. He's always deflecting credit to his team. He's saying, yo, nah, it's really the team. Al Horford stepped up in this situation. But people are starting to, hey, man, if he doesn't get coach of the year this year, I don't know what he has to do to get it. That team is playing great. I don't even care if they get... The, lose the next four and the 76ers move on to the finals. 
uh, that Celtics team looks promising low. But let's say, let's say hypothetically speaking, Kyrie comes back. How much does that change in the series? If and we're also saying that in in a perfect hypothetical world, he's also like in rhythm and game shape and, and like yeah, yeah, we're yeah. talking about like, like he 100, just finished the first two rounds. Yeah, like we're a hundred percent. If if they had Kyrie, I I might move as far as to say that they might they might actually have a good chance of winning this series, just because as we clearly see, if you have a player like Terry Rozier who's able to get twenty nine points on great shooting efficiency along with the six assists and stuff like that, that was a huge contribute. He was a huge contributor to why they were able to win that game. And those are numbers that maybe not exactly, but those are numbers that you should be anticipating from Kyrie Irving. And so if that's what's missing and if Terry Rozier can consistently be that for them, then that's basically what you're going to see from Kyrie. And, and, and that's what you can expect out of the team. However, I, I still wouldn't pick them to win just because I still don't anticipate Al Horford and Jason Tatum to be 25 plus scores and for them to, cause I mean, I mean, to be completely honest with you, as we're talking about this, it's not like Marquis, it's not like Marcus Morris had the greatest night. It's not like, um, Marcus Smart defensively was fine, but he doesn't produce that well. That's, and then they don't need him to, they just, need I, like I know, four but or five guys to step, you know, but, but it wasn't four or five guys. It was literally, and then Jalen Brown didn't even play cause he's been in and out as well. But then the craziest thing is, I understand what you're saying. You only need like four guys, but the three guys that they got to be active this series, that game on the offensive end, put up numbers that it's hard to believe that they're going to sustain. And and then on the flip side, like we just said, how the 76ers struggled. I mean, they, I mean, JJ Reddick shot two for seven from three. Sorry shot zero for four from three. Illa Silva shot zero from three from three. And then Covington shot zero for four from three. These are just two drastic games that happen. And so it's hard to kind of say, if you add Kyrie to the equation, would they be able to get past the second round? I, I still don't think so. I would still have probably the 76ers, especially what I've been able to see out of them, not only at the end of the regular season, but how they were able to beat Miami. I, I just don't know how much of an impact Kyrie would necessarily have. And I don't think it would be big enough for them to get past the second round, but still, they. they but next, but next year like, though, next year, that's going to be a, a team to be that. That's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. Interestingly enough, I don't even know how much help Hayward is going to be because they have so much depth at the wing. I almost feel like he can just not be there and they would be equally as good, but which is why, uh, which is why some- I'll say it first. Danny Ainge is going to trade away Gordon Hayward. There is absolutely no reason why they keep Gordon Hayward. Nah, because nobody's going to take a risk on a player who just came off a season-ending injury. I mean, but I, obviously he's going to play some games. He's going to look a little good. You know what I'm saying? Danny Danny Ainge, you know, he's going to fluff it up a little bit. Same way he did with Isaiah Thomas. Same way. Isaiah Thomas was a, was a risk. He was injured. <laughs> yeah, that's a good he point. Just, he just fluffed him up real quick. He's like, nah, Brad, keep playing him. I need that value to be as high as it can be. And then we're going to trade him, bro. <laughs> I, I don't, cause there's, like you said, I don't really think there's that big of a, like. Well, what do you trade for? I'm so curious. What, what could they possibly I'm get? A, I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm gonna keep it a buck. You go out there and you get whatever big that you can get and, and add them to the team. Or, or you just, I don't, or you why? just get more, a little bit more depth. But I think the power forward spot for them is a little weak. And Al Horford, He's getting older. It's not like he's 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 a young player. So nah, I don't use that excuse. I like Al Horford right the way Al Horford. Oh, is I don't I don't mind Al so Horford. I'm just saying moving forward, 
you know, two or three years down the line, nah, where you every can't, you can't worry about no two, three years. I mean, man. it's you only can't. it's only two or three. I'm pretty no. Danny Ainge is definitely. Still got Greg Monroe. Is Greg Monroe expiring? Cut the cap. Cut the cap. Cut the cap. Cut the cap. I mean, I think Greg Monroe's ass, but if you can have him there, you can't put him third in the, like backup to the backup. That'd be crazy. I mean, Al, Al Horford's gonna be 32. I, I just don't know. I don't know, bro. I just don't know. And then Al Horford, his contract expires. After this year, he's only going to have two years left. So you need to start anticipating that move anyway. Because you're not going to sign no 33-year-old Al Horford, regardless of how great he is. Yeah. Come on now. Yo, seeing players like Terry, Terry Rozier step up, is it gives me so little sympathy for Kyle Lowry. He's like, how could a guy who was just Kyrie's bench player, who we literally found out a month ago was going to have some sort of meaningful playing time, who, low a few years ago, was almost cut from the Celtics team because he didn't make the 13-man roster. He just barely squeezed in. We didn't know how he made it in because players like R.J. Hunter were cut. And people were saying, yo, maybe we should have kept R.J. Hunter. He's a good sharpshooter, especially coming out of college. <clears throat> and then we see players like uh, Kyle Lowry just, you cannot perform in the fourth. But here's Terry Rozier that every single time... And beat hits a three, or the Ben Simmons makes an exciting dunk. He's back at it again, and he's performing. And it's so refreshing to see. It. I don't know how they're gonna figure out who gets playing time next year, low. I don't know how, because now you have a bunch of guys who prove themselves, who are saying, "Yo, I want my minutes." And then you have Kyrie and Hayward coming back on top of the draft picks, low. I don't know. They're in such. They're in such a good spot. That it's almost an issue, uh, this Celtics team. That's so, that's that's uh, why that's why they're going to start trading people because I I not, and I like Terry Rozier. But please let's not get this mistaken. But Terry Rozier, he's not really that great. Like he just he, he looks. He might be just playing in the system. Who knows? That's what I'm saying. He look he looks but, he looks this great because he's in the that, system. But more than that, though, you you need some special kind of confidence, low to step. Up oh yeah, in the let, again, like when, I said, let me let's not ever get this mistaken though. He that he he's definitely very very talented, but he could easily go to any other team that doesn't have a system structured correctly or doesn't have the correct personnel. And Terry Rozier, he's he's not going to be the same player. And even in the previous se- series, he had his moments where he was up and down, and it's not like every game he he had he was amazing. He just had moments that were good right. enough for him to make it because in the last but series. He was, he was, he only, he shot below 42% from the field in the last series. Granted, he shot really great from behind the arc, though. Like, phenomenal, like, he shot 38% from behind the arc. So let's not ever forget that. But it's not like every game last series, he was consistent enough for you to believe that he should be a starter or demanding minutes. And if he does, well, we're going to trade you. That's it. All right. Uh, I want to, well, I want to move on to, oh, but, but still, Philly, I still got Philly, Philly and six. I'll say Philly and six. Okay. Well, I want to move on to what seems like, for me, the most interesting series is uh, the Utah Jazz versus the Houston Rockets. Now, man. How is this the most interesting series when your team just went down 0-1? Come on, cut the cap, agent. Okay. Obviously, not including the Raptors. You know I'm going to watch all the Raptors. Okay. I was about to say. Low, <laughs> we got to talk, man. Uh, the Houston Rockets are a team that... Every once in a while, I'll give you a scare because they just shoot so horribly. You begin to ask a lot of questions about whether they really got it or not. But then you remember, but they were fantastic last year. Now they added Chris Paul. I can't imagine anything otherwise. 
But again, they shot horribly low uh, as a team shooting 40% from the field and shooting 27% from the three-point line. Numbers that, of course, we expect a team with this many great shooters to improve on. But yet again, the Utah Jazz and their defensive prowess were able to keep away the Houston Rockets and win a game. And it has a lot of people questioning, Lo. And people are asking some questions, man. And uh, as excited as I am by the prospect of Utah, even 1% chance that they make the Western Conference Finals, I don't see how the Houston Rockets don't outshoot any team that's not named the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. Are we are we sure that we're not? Uh, are we sure that we're anticipating them to have a bounce back game? Because I'm I'm a I'm yeah. a, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna keep it a buck. I'm I mean even in the first round, there were moments where they were just inconsistent throughout the entire series. In the first round, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm looking at it right now, outside of um that game five where they just went bonkers and game four they went crazy too. The first three games. Houston scored respectively 104, 102, and then 105. They struggled yeah. in the beginning part of that series, and it would have been interesting if Minnesota was able to capitalize. The difference is because how well coached the Utah Jazz are, they're able to capitalize off of the mistakes and the poor shooting from um, some of the role players. However, in that first game, Chris Paul, I mean, that first series, Chris Paul shot poorly from the, from behind the arc. Eric Gordon shot horrific, and he's still shooting bad from behind the arc. Um, Ger- um, Gerald Green came off the bench and shot poorly, and then you had games and moments here and there where Trevor Reza and, and, and PJ Tucker and uh, Ryan Anderson they also shot bad as well. And so, I, I think I, I think that I don't I don't want to say that I'm overreacting because I I, def- I definitely want to come across as that player. I mean that person, but players struggling to knock down threes who are not knock-down, stone-cold, killer, three-point shooters, that's not that crazy to me. Like, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, they're not Kyle Korver or Klay Thompson well, where Trevor they're unconscious. One of the, Trevor Ariza's leading the league in corner threes. Uh, but, that's, but that's corner threes, shooter, though. But Trevor Ariza's a little different. But that, but that's, that's all he needs to no, do. No, no, no. But when you, when, you so have a team, when you have a team that understands that Trevor Ariza is a, is a great corner three-point shooter, then they're going to execute properly and they're not going to leave him open. No, the thing is, is they're not, though. Teams are not. Time and time again, he's being left Team, No, 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 no. We're talking about Utah. Te- teams, sure. Minnesota, that's not a... That, that team was one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA, right? Utah, however, they are they understand that they don't have... They cannot leave certain players in certain uh, areas on the floor. And so... They're not going to be able to get off their shots. Trevor Reza, even though he's shooting great from the three this series, if you're watching it, there's certain shots that he can't even get up, though, because they're closing out and he's not getting enough opportunity to even be productive, which is why in the first but two games, he's only averaging six, seven. Oh, it's not the main story. I still, um, and let me, and let me be clear. Take this, Lo, take this in. Take go this ahead, in. go. Donovan Mitchell shot six for 21. And they won against and, the But that's execution. Now, that's execution from them, though. And Joe Ingles went off, though. That's right. another reason why. But that's that's the thing, though. Going into the playoffs, everybody's number one question with the Utah Jazz had nothing to do with defense. We knew what they could do. It's whether on the offensive end, in the playoffs, they can win against these teams. So to beat Houston on their home court with your primary player, who supposedly going into the playoffs was the only offense the Utah Jazz had. A lot of people were saying. 
Now you have players like Joe Ingles. How is he stepping up for 27 points, shooting 77%? Hey, man, that's white, that's white, team. that's white Jesus right there, man. That's white Jesus. He's out there, man, looking like an all-star. He, he's Get out him. there handling the ball and initiating offense, too. That's, that's the even more crazy part about it. Yeah, shout out to yes, Alex, shout is. out to Alec Burks. He's coming off the bench, dropping 17. Bro, that team, that team looking kind of tough. Jay Crowder, I know. Jay Crowder, the man that was trash. Remember, Adrian, when he was with Cleveland, he was trash. Remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's putting up yeah. 15 points, shooting 50% from the field, 50% from behind the yard, man. 10 rebounds. So when he was- Lo, you're telling me when he was with the Celtics, he was great. But then he went to the Cavs. Man, he was just a system player. That's why he looked so good in, in with the Celtics, and he was, man. he was trash because, with the Cavs, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he went to but Utah. Back, man. And then in, 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 in playoff games, he's looking pretty doggone good. But at he's, least not. he's been the bailout character for the Jazz, though. In many situations, he's almost like roaming around with the ball and then kind of just throwing up a three. They're sagging off of him, almost begging him to shoot it at times. And he's hitting them. Throughout literally the last couple series, Jay Crowder is the most unique player. It almost feels like, of course, defensively he's there. But offensively, they're just kind of just hoping that he doesn't hit his threes. And and he's hitting them. And on top of the fact that you now have a low. Joe Ingles was running point guard in the playoffs and won a game against the Utah Jazz as a high scorer. Have you ever thought that sentence would be uttered in human history? You said against the Utah Jazz, so no, you mean the Houston Rockets. Against the Houston Rockets. So, I mean, not, I mean, I, I know, but again, I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting because I do want to like be very clear about it's this. It's not an overreaction. It, it's not, yeah, it's, it's it not an overreaction, first... but I, I do want to be clear about this. The, the Houston Rockets shooting bad to me, that's not that crazy. It's, it's just, no, it's just not, it's not that, in my opinion, it's just not that crazy. And this is part yes. of the reason why, and I've said it multiple times, that system and the way that they run their offense, sometimes it's a detriment to winning games. Sometimes it just doesn't, I disagree, it doesn't, but all right. I'll, I'll take it back. It's, it's, it's a detriment and it becomes difficult to win playoff games, especially against well, especially against teams that are, well-rounded on a defensive end. They understand how to execute, and they're really great no, defensively. No, Their whole offense is just taking the best percentage shot, analytically speaking. But that, but so if you, when, they, when you're boiling down basketball and you're not putting into, into context players not having the rhythm, players not being unconscious three-point shooters. But that's coach's play, job to take someone out when they're not in rhythm or to run them a play. Like, but it's that's, not that but, they don't take that into yeah, but that's, account, but that's every. But I just don't... I, I don't know. I, cause again, you're, you're going to have to find someone. And if you're taking out PJ Tucker or Trevor Reeves, who shot poorly last game, and then you put in Luke by, uh, Luke by Mute, I mean, it ain't, it's not going to be that much better from spacing the floor and the spacing the floor perspective. But last, last night, the Rockets got 12 more possessions and still lost. That, I mean, that, and that alone, the whole purpose of them having the up and down tempo. When you receive 12 more possessions, you still lose and Donovan Mitchell shot poorly. That, that is definitely an execution, uh, lack of execution on the Houston Rockets. And I'll say this the same way I said about the Toronto Raptors. I'm looking at James Harden and you look trash on defense, my guy. 
And I know that, and 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 I know that's always been a problem. But all I've heard this entire regular season is how you've gotten better, and you should be getting better because Chris Paul is on your team. And so that excuse of oh he's handling the offense, he's he has too much offensive load, so he can't play defense. That will not fly this year. And really and truly, it should never fly because if we're going to compare, yeah, if we're going to compare you to all time top five whatever players in your position or of all time or whatever, if we're going to do that, all of those players played on both sides of the floor, or at least majority of them did. So I'm not going to let that slide. And so even though yes, Joe Ingles, he's white Jesus, I don't need to be seeing Joe Ingles dribble by you with two two left hand dribbles to the rim and you don't play defense. I don't need to be seeing that, um, James Harden. So, as good as a three-point shooter as James Harden is, he never really has good percentages. Uh, over the course of the year, this year, shooting 36%, which is better than his last two years, surprisingly enough. He shoots an incredibly... His shots require such accuracy because they're always contested. The chances James Harden's left open for three is almost non-existent. Of course, he's playing off the ball this year with Chris Paul, so his percentage has increased a little bit. But I don't care how difficult your shots are. You cannot go two for ten in the playoffs. That being said, though, I'm still confident that the Houston Rockets will win the series. Uh, before going into this, uh, the playoffs, my pre-playoff predictions had the Houston Rockets winning in six to the Utah Jazz. So I do think Utah will come away with a couple games. Just based on game one, I wouldn't be surprised if they pushed it to a seven. But if Utah comes out with the win, I would be so surprised. It would actually make me happy as well. This would be one of those times where I would be so happy to be wrong. Even though I think Houston is the best shot at beating Golden State, it would be so fantastic, just like we've seen the Mavericks in 2011, to just see a team that not many people expected to be there just be there and then just to play well and dominate. Uh, and so, yo, honestly, it goes both ways. I'm a happy guy. We can't expect the Houston Rockets to shoot this bad. Although, throughout the Timberwolves series, a team who's not even that great defensively, they were struggling consistently from the floor. And going up against a Utah team that's even better, they're going to have to find a way, man. And, Lo, you blame the system. I don't think the system has anything to do with it. You just got to make your shots. So they're I mean, but that's, that's kind of that's kind of the fault of the system. But go ahead, go. You keep going. It's it's not though. It's the players. I mean, the system can't take into account James Harden shooting two for ten, or PJ Tucker one for five, or Trevor Reese. But one th- for but four. those are but the those are th- but those are things that are just that happen when you when you're building your team or your identity off of shooting. And for people out there who, who want to point out the Golden State Warriors. That is an outlier because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are are nah, the f- there's they're different. Yeah, I'm saying those those, those, those are those are outliers. So I don't you cannot use it as the end all be all. When it comes to the Rockets, and especially with that D'Antoni system, there's just too many times where they're just consistently relying on three point shooting, and, and sometimes and a lot of times throughout D'Antoni's career it has worked. But when you go up against teams that execute accordingly, it's, it's just not going to work. And games like nights um well games like this nights and the um i'm bugging games like these and um some of the games they had in minnesota utah will not allow that to go underneath the radar and they will not under they will not miss out on the opportunity and the same thing goes for the warriors the warriors will not miss out on opportunities like this but i, I will say this again and like you said, it's, it's sometimes not the system. And you're right. Sometimes it is the stars and, and their inability to execute. And James Harden, like you said before, about him knocking down the shots. After the All-Star break, James Harden, you were shooting thirty-two below 32% from behind the arc. 
These are these are things that I've noticed. And I didn't say anything because I was like, you know, I'm just going to let things go. I, mean, I don't want to be called a hater. You know what I'm saying? But you're, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. There are certain things that James Harden struggles with every now and then on the offensive end. And he has stretches where he's unable to make his shots. And because he's such a poor defender, it becomes a negative for the team. Because if James Harden is missing his shots, he does not go on the other end and play elite level defense. So it becomes a negative. So I've wa- I've yeah. noticed it. I've watched it because in that in that last in the second half or the last stretch of basketball during the regular season, James Harden was not making his three pointers. But I didn't say anything. I'm gonna just I, I didn't say none of that. I know I'm not a hater, guys. You know I, I'm not a hater. As low as big as a rap that the Raptors get for being a team that can't perform under pressure, even though literally for the last two years, for, for literally for the last five years, it's been whoever faces the Cavs gets bumped. We need to start talking about how Houston, if Houston with Chris Paul this year, because keep in mind, Chris Paul is a huge addition. Don't let the fact that he's no longer throwing oops to DeAndre Jordan miss you. Chris Paul is an all-star caliber player. I don't care if he didn't get the nod this year. Not only is he a fantastic defender, he is one of the highest IQ players in the league. Plus, he has a decent three-point shot. His ability to run an offense, though, is uncanny. So you've made that addition to the team. On top of the three-point shooters, you're lacing around Harden, and of course, Harden's ability to create a shot. If the Rockets lose, if the Rockets can't find a way to get to the finals, I don't care how good a Golden State team is, we gotta start talking. Because there's no reason a team like them should continue to lose every single year. Well, well, and regardless of the... It's the same way I gave, I gave the benefit of the doubt and respected the greatness of Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony in round one. I'm going to say that they're going to win this 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 series. I'm still going to say that. Houston has been like a low-key team for me. They're probably, after the Raptors and the 76ers, for me, the most exciting team to watch in the NBA. But they're exciting to watch when they hit their shots. Sometimes you'd be watching their games low. And they just, when they miss, they miss. And it's an ugly scene. And they've been having too many games like that when it matters most. If your name is a Houston Rockets man... You just need three or four guys to step up. And more times than not, Harden's going to have to be one of those guys. He's getting paid the big bucks. What is he on that? Five-year, $200 million? Is he on that? They restructured his contract a couple years ago, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, anyway. Uh, I, but I, just, I still have I have Houston and, um, yeah. and, and I guess five or six. Get Pick one because you can't do two. I'll say five. Cause... I have Houston and five. Okay. That, that's assuming Houston wins the rest of them, my yep, guy. <laughs> that, that is assuming that Houston wins every single last. I mean, it's only what three more games? Yeah, three more Come games. Come on, Houston just choked a home game, my guy. You don't think H- the Jazz Houston, can come away with at Houston, least one home game? Houston in five. If you, if people want me to respect these players, Houston in five. Don't stop respecting the players. Say what you think is going to happen. Oh no, I still think Houston yeah, is in five. I think I like you said. I think that that team and everything they have on their roster. I think that's enough for them to beat them. And this is, and, and for the people out there who think that I'm disrespecting Utah, it's not that I'm disrespecting Utah because Utah is still a really, really great team. It's, it's not that. It's a, it's the fact that if we're going to sit here and try to put these players in certain contexts and I keep hearing, Oh, James Harden, by the end of his career, he's going to be XYZ. No, he will not be. If he doesn't win playoff games, I don't care what James Harden and Russell Westbrook do in the regular season. If you want, if you get knocked out in the first, second round, I don't want to hear none of that. Just shut the hell up. I don't want to hear none of that. 
I agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. Uh, so for me, at least, that's I don't know why. Lo, I got this thing with the Jazz, man. Did you know for a while the Jazz were my second favorite team back when they had like Andre Carolina? No, no, they weren't. Shut the hell up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. No, they weren't. I'm being honest. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. I used to play NBA Live. No, you're not. And I would use them. I don't know what it was. Move on to the next topic. I'm telling you the truth. All right, so we got the Pelicans and the Warriors because I'm you're you're not about to sit here and tell me that they were your second best team. Shut the hell up. So we got the we got the uh, pellet. What's wrong with no, that? No, because you're lying. You're trying to jump on the bandwagon. Cut it out. Cut it out. I'm, I'm, first of all, I've been. Uh, you can go back to our AO podcast. I've been hyping up Gobert. Shut since up. Shut the, up. Okay. Now here you, here since you go. Since he was in the world versus America. No, 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 no. I'm being no, honest. No, no, you're not. I've been a Utah Jazz fan since. I didn't say since, I was a fan. Since Ten years I said ago, they were my second. You just favorite said they were your watch. second favorite team. How are you not a fan of a team that's your second favorite? I was a fan of Karolenko. Cut it I out. Cut with... it out. You're about to just stop. You're reading off the roster right now. Cut it out. Cut it out. Why do you think I'm doing so that? So who came off the bench? Who came off the bench? Who came off the bench? Why would I? Why would I lie about who being came a fan off the bench? Ten years ago by the team. Just tell me right, who came off the bench. I don't remember. You a liar. Get out of here, agent. Even I. Okay, even, Lo, even you tell me the bench for that Jazz team. Even I know who came off the bench. You tell me the bench. It was Ronnie Brewer, Kyle Korver, and Paul Millsap. That's it. Those are the three key players. They were the three key players. Come on, Lo. You could do better, man. You could name one. First of all, I'm not claiming this is my favorite or second favorite team. That's one. Two. You couldn't name me one Hello, player. Uh, I'm gonna say one more thing, bro. But I, it was it was when I was young, so it doesn't count. Oh my! When I my my first basketball game I played seriously was NBA Street Volume Two, and. uh I used to really fuck with the Celtics, man. I used to use. Oh Paul Pierce my all the time. god! No, you and didn't. No one didn't. No <laughs> one didn't talk about the Celtics before 2008. Paul Pierce was not even. They naked. were a bad team. Come on, cut they out. were a bad oh, team. You pick, you pick Paul Pierce and Walker. Come on. I I enjoyed you. I don't like. I just I have memories of using Paul Pierce and using Seattle, and of course all the All Star teams and all time teams. Bro, who, who was on Seattle was, outside of Ray Allen? Who was in Seattle? Let me know then. They had a uh, was a uh, Luke Ridnour was at point guard. Uh, they don't had Rashard Lewis, and those are the only two. Oh players. my you god! Used, you don't know. You use you use three players, and you're telling me to date back to when I was like five years old, six years old, man. Come on, come bro. on. Bro. I'm just telling you the teams I, I enjoyed, bro. You you you. I I got to keep an eye on you, man, because you out here bugging. You just saying. You just name, you I'm just not- randomly naming teams, so just in case, like, well, if Seattle gets a team, I'm gonna say I used to pick them back in the day. Like, cut it out, agent. Cut the cap. No, I'm, I'm. There's no reason for me to lie about this stuff, man. If I was gonna lie about some shit, I pretend I was a Cleveland fan since LeBron, right, or a Golden State fan since Baron Davis. I wasn't. It was fun to watch Baron Davis, but he wasn't one of my favorite man, players. Not even close. that team, because I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, I wasn't even a fan of those teams, and I still like no more players. Like, like you said, Ray Allen. Lord, you're like six Richard years old, Lewis, man. I'm 22. Luke Rittenhauer, DJ Vladrad, Vlad, Vladimir Radmanovich, man. Oh, I forgot uh, about and, Radmanovich. Yeah, That's they had ass They had uh, Antonio uh, Antonio Daniels on that team. They had Reggie Evans on that team. They had Nick Collins. So you searched up a roster. Look at this guy searching up rosters no. as we record the podcast. They had, there is no, they had, they there's had, no way you recall. They had Nick Collinson on that team. They had um, Robert Swift on that team. Yeah, I, I know that. I know that roster. 
Nick Collison has been on the guy. He's been on the team since they done traded. For, they went Am from Seattle to um was, was, OKC. Nah, I might be. I might. I might call myself. I'm not gonna say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't you yeah, don't call yourself out. Jeff 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 Green was Jeff, was Jeff Green Jeff was Green. um he was part of if I'm not mistaken he was part of the um Ray Allen trade for Ray Allen to go to Boston and they received Jeff Green through the Ray Allen trade and so Jeff Green played for Seattle with Kevin Durant that very last year that they were in Seattle. Okay, okay, uh, but yeah, Hold on, let me let me like check if that's Ray right because if that's if that's right then again I just I just know more about basketball than you. And it is, Lil, and, it, and, older, it's, and it's right. No, if you're I'm not if way you're, older, if you're I'm not way older. For, I'm not way older. Not we, being able to recall. This conversation. I'm not way older. Every single time I try to say I'm older, you sit here tell me, "Nah, bro, we're only like two or three years different from one another." But now all of a sudden, I'm way older. Cut it out. Cut the cap. But that's the difference, bro. All right, let's let's see. Uh, anyway, besides the point, you're allowed to have favorite teams when you're a kid, Lo. You know, uh, oh, I, I guess I, my favorite a, team were the Warriors, a, right? Because they had Baron Davis in there. Well, Lowe's, Lowe's in Atlanta, and he's not a Hawks fan. As you know, or you already know off rep, there's something up with you, man. I mean, but I, but I, but I know, teams. but I know the, the players on the Hawks, though. Just because you name it players, that doesn't mean that you're that's your favorite team, though. That's I understand. That. That's what I'm saying. So, so just because you, I'm uh, just saying, you just name like three players, and all of a sudden that's your favorite team. I guess I my, so, my favorite team was the Warriors, right? Because I had Baron Davis, Monte Ellis. They had Matt Barnes. They had Captain Jack. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I I know that team too. So uh, when I was like, I forgot what year it was. Uh, the year Kobe dropped 81 on the Raptors, man. You shouldn't. You should uh, know so that year. But go ahead, go. <laughs> Growing up, I watched a lot of different sports. Like, weirdly enough, I watched F1, I watched tennis, like everything. And then, uh, I was, I woke up one morning, I was eating cereal, and I looked at the TV. Bro, when I found, when it said Kobe 81 points versus the Raptors, I had to like double back real quick. And they showed the highlights, and they showed all 81 of his points. I just thought to myself, what the fuck is going on? Man, if that was the year for me where, I went from like a casual fan of all sports to like basketball was my favorite sport. No, no, and, it wasn't. Come on, you still like you still. Like, and it, weirdly enough, it came against my Raptors. And weirdly enough, Kobe was my favorite player. You're still, you're, you're, you're still a casual was, fan now, Adrian. Let's cut the cap. You know, you're still a casual. Yeah, at the time, no, I was no, no. A super right now, fan. you're you're right. still a super casual fan. Low, you can make me go on my emails, bro. Don't make me Chill do out. it, man. Chill out. That was, but that, but that was a moment to, for you for Kobe. Of course, it happened against your team. You wake up, you see okay, it on the okay, news. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a moment, man. You know, I was, everybody was talking about it the next day. This shit was kind of embarrassing, low key. We were whispering about it. We couldn't let people know <laughs> we were from Toronto. You know, we had to keep it on the low. We just every the whole city felt embarrassed. We just had to reflect upon ourselves and our garbage ass team. And then for literally the next decade was nothing but Jalen Rose jokes because even though he was only responsible for like maybe twenty five of it when we were kids we didn't really care we just knew he matched he up with twenty five. So that's a healthy. That's a healthy <laughs> ass twenty five. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, that's besides the point. We were talking. What series were we talking about before we got into all this? We were talking about um, the Utah Jazz series, but we were going to move on into the um, the uh, what is the team called? The Pelicans. Golden State yeah. Series. Well, I'll say, I'll say this real yeah. quick, though. I remember the first time I was like, that guy Kobe is something serious. I remember he um, he came off the bench back in 97. Came off the bench for the... He started, Fam, how old were you at night? You're just making shit up, bro. I don't mind that. <laughs> he came off the bench back in 97. <laughs> it was against the Warriors, man. He had like... 
he had like 20 some points in like 20 some minutes. It was crazy. Like he just came off the bench. He was knocking it down. He was extremely aggressive. Are you lying? It was amazing, bro. Like he he went like I don't think he missed a shot. And I was like, oh god, it's crazy. And this is like I think I think Lil, are I think you was a, are you just are you trying to parry me? Bro, right I'm just saying. Like, I think he was like a rookie or something like that. I was like, bro, he going hard. That was crazy, bro. He was going crazy. Lo, you were like four. How could you possibly remember? What that, are you man? talking about, agent? I'm, so now, so now we're around the same age, but before I was old. Cut it out. I'm done talking to you, Agent. You have you have three or four years on me. I'm right. I, like, I, I can't. You just said 97. I'm back. Yo, 97. Kobe was in his bag, bro. Listen, his, Lowe's lying. Low key, He's Googling shit. Low-key, Kobe could have... Low-key, people don't want to admit this, and they try to like... Like, they try to shit on Kobe, but Kobe really, really and truly could have been a starter when he was a rookie, but because of the players they had on that, on their, uh, on that roster, that's the reason why Kobe didn't get a starting look. But if Kobe, if, if, um... Was it Mel Daniels? Who was the, who was the coach? Let me look this up real quick. If the Bro, coach, I remember, I remember, it was Dale. No, it was Dale Harris. If Dale Harris was an actual coach and put Kobe in the right positions, they easily could have. Kobe could have been a starter, but they had uh, Van Exel and Eddie if, Jones in the in the on the on the point in the two, and so that's the reason why they weren't going to give him any opportunity. I refuse to believe you had a memory when you were four years old that that. Clear in like, your bro, mind. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm 67. I don't know what you're talking about, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, man. All right. You're 67. Okay. Excuse me. I'm, I'm 68. I forgot. I just had a birthday. I'm bugging. <laughs> Let's talk about this Golden State series, man. Uh, uh, the I Pelicans have one... don't have a chance. <laughs> this man, this man Curry came back and, and dropped just buckets on them coming off the bench. Amazing. Oh, speaking of coming off the bench... I want to talk about this because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going to forget about it. No, no we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. All right. We'll, we'll talk about it later. You're all yeah, over I'm all over the place. Yeah. Curry, though, came off the bench. 27 minutes, 28 points, 53% shooting from the field, 50% from behind the yard. And it was We can it say was one with moment. certainty, Logo, go. that Curry is the best point guard in the league. No, okay. That, that's another thing I want to say that, too. But it was a moment where he, he almost lost the ball at the half court. Picked it up, almost like turned the ball over at the half court, dribbled down like three dribbles and pulled up like three feet from the three point line and made it with ease. So that was crazy. Two, one thing that really stood out to me with Curry and Kyrie out and they haven't been playing this, these playoffs until Curry just played last night or the other night. They are easily the first and second best point guards in the NBA. You could throw Chris Paul in that conversation, but I think because he took a step back. Um, with his role, and I wouldn't put him in that conversation. But Curry and Kyrie, easily the top two point guards in the NBA. And when it comes to Curry, I don't even really think it's close that anybody else should easily. They're not even in the conversation, to be honest with you. Weirdly enough, outside of Chris Paul, a lot of top point guards aren't good defenders. Kyrie, not known for defense. Curry, not known for defense. Dame, not known and that's for really, defense. And that's really the only thing like, that, that keeps me saying Chris Paul is in that conversation because he's still a, a good de- he's still a good defender. That's why. I think Curry, without a doubt, is like tier one. And then you'd have to drop to tier two to start talking about other yep. people. I don't even think anybody compares to... And defensively, I think it's good that the, the Golden State Warriors are so good defensively that it just masks all... The potential issues he might cause if he was on a different team in a different system, but I have. Could we? She, I saw somebody uh, tweet me the other day say Corver was the best three point shooter in NBA history. I'm like, what are you? It's, why it's, are we playing ourselves? <laughs> like, Cur- it's so obviously Curry. Curry, and it's so obviously not close. 
Yeah, Curry, Curry, I was about to say, Curry is not only the best three-point shooter, I would say he's the best shooter in NBA history. And if we're going to talk about three-point shooting, it's not even close. It's not even remotely close. Like, it, yeah, he, like he's it. on a whole nother stage. And then I would, I would go as far as saying the second best three point shooter is Clay Thompson. That's where I'm at right now. In the NBA, in NBA, Honestly, in NBA I history. I wouldn't be mad at you. In NBA history, <laughs> I think the second oh, best. In no, in NBA history, the second best three point shooter is Clay Thompson. But Curry, <sighs> Curry, it's not even, it's not even remotely close. It's not debatable. It's Thompson. not arguable. Any numbers that you're going to point, like, show me, there are ten numbers that I could show you with Curry that are like that. Are, it's unbelievable. Curry is attempting threes at a rate of a superstar, but his efficiency is that of a role player who just gets catch and shoot three pointers. That's how ridiculous his three pointers are. It's unbelievable. I've I, like never in my life have I seen somebody shoot that well, particularly from and behind the arc. It's one thing to have a good percentage. Like, Carl Anthony Towns is a 42% three-point shooter in uh, last year. Well, I guess this year. But he only shoots when he's open. Like, he That's doesn't what I'm shoot saying. a high difficulty of shots. These guys shoot incredibly difficult shots from limitless range. And the fact that they're still able to not only keep the regular field goal percentage high with a high volume of three-point shots, but for Clay to shoot 44%, what does Curry shoot? Like 45, 46? Yeah, Curry Curry was almost 50, 40, 90 this year again. He shot 48, 49% from the field, 43 or 44 from behind the arc, and 90.1 or 90.8, somewhere there. So what a lot of people will say to that low is, is I mean, I think Corver had a year where he shot like 53 or 54% from three. But Curry's the ball handler. He's the magnet. That's what, that's what I'm know, saying. Corver that's what I'm was saying. never... Cur- Curry... He attempts shots like a superstar, but has the efficiency of a role player. That is, that's un, right. it's unheard of. It's absurd. Like that doesn't, At that doesn't volume. exist. Yeah. Of the volume and the efficiency, it does not exist. The most impressive year for Corver was when he was with the Hawks. He shot six three point attempts per game. At forty nine percent, which is fantastic. That's unbelievable. But to even, be honest with you, that's that's <laughs> fucking unbelievable too. Yeah, even then, Curry now is tiers above that, and and I'm not exaggerating when I say tiers with the S plural. So not just one. I think multiple above that. So that just I think that just goes to show. Uh, low very badly. I want to see Curry play in his prime on a team that's not the Warriors. Just so like we could I don't, see. I don't. I don't care about that shit. I don't care. You don't have to do that. I want to see with a little bit of perspective what he could do if if you place Curry on on the Knicks. Like how much wins would the Knicks get? I mean, because we, I mean, you never you never saw that from Bird. Bird, Larry Bird never led the NBA in points per game, but we everyone knew that if he really wanted to, he could easily go out there and get you thirty plus points on a night to night basis. But because he's on a team with other great players, he sacrifices numbers, he sacrifices touches, and, and so on and so forth. We all know. Like you, you, you would have to be ignorant, and this is the reason why we got to make sure history stays intact and continue to continue to um celebrate Curry to make sure people beyond us thoroughly understand how great of a player Curry was in, in during his prime. Curry, man, if he really wanted to, he could drop thirty five a night. If he really wanted to, yeah. <laughs> if he really wanted to, and I think that goes for a lot of superstars that played in the NBA. Just. They, they usually sacrifice for their team in the pursuit of 
championship so they don't end up like Charles Barkley <laughs> face on 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 TNT getting roasted every week about the same repetitive you don't have no rings. And for the, also for the people out there who keep saying I don't know about Clay and X Y Z, bro, in that first round, Clay Thompson, twenty two, twenty three points, shot fifty three percent from the field, fifty two percent from behind the arc. Like let's let's cut the cap. Let's stop 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 questioning who Clay Thompson is. Clay Thompson is that guy. He he can put up the points just like anybody else, but he sacrifices because he's on that team. But if he really wanted to. He could get in his bag and and keep doing it every single so, time. I have a question for you, though. Go ahead, go. And maybe it's a very obvious answer. If if you're the Toronto Raptors, would you rather have Clay than DeRozan? I'm gonna tell you right now, DeRozan. If y'all, I'm gonna tell you right now, Asian. If DeRozan lose this series, bro, he not he not. I don't think he a top five shooting guard. I agree with you on that. If he loses, because I mean, I don't think well, we can't, or, he, we can't or maybe he'll be about him in that same conversation. Or maybe he'll be fifth because it'll be Harden, uh, Clay. No, no particular order, Jimmy but Butler. Harden. Oh yeah, Butler. No, he wouldn't be five. No, so it'd be Harden, yeah. Butler, Clay, uh, Oladipo, and D. Mitch. So no, yeah, he wouldn't be five. He wouldn't even be top five. Nope. I would agree. I would agree with that. If they can't win yep. the series, if he can't win. Uh, so a lot of people. I know we we asked this question last year about whether Clay can lead a team. Man, if he's proven anything, like, his ability to work off the ball, you could have a primary ball handler like Russell Westbrook, add a person like Clay, and you could, you could, what I'm trying to say is, add Clay to a team, it'll get better. There is no, there is no, what about the chemistry issues? What about, there's no issues where, like, Carmelo Anthony, where you don't know if it's gonna fit, and he refuses to do this and sacrifice this because he has this ego. There's no issue about inconsistency over and over and over again, plaguing your career, like Paul George. He just, performs and he doesn't need the ball to do it and that's in my opinion the best type I'm of about to say you can have I mean and team. on top of that you could really just put a point guard that's a ball handler that doesn't mind giving up the ball look for assist it may not be like uh, a detriment to an extent on a defensive end such as uh, Ricky Rubio or Rondo or Mike Conley you can throw some certain players like that next to um, especially Mike Conley Mike Conley who I don't think anyone believes is a top 15, 20 player in the NBA. If you had Mike Conley and, um, Clay Thompson on the same team with one another, oh, they would be fine. They would be, they would be fine. They would, obviously they wouldn't be as good as what Curry, but that team would be fine. And I believe if those are your two best players, you can make an argument that Clay Thompson would be the best player out of the two on the team. Yeah. I, I, yeah I, on the team. Good. And he would be, he would work completely fine with one another and, and they would be fun- fully functional. But also for the people out there who still, Think that, oh, it's Kevin Durant. That's the reason why Klay Thompson's been able to post up numbers in the absence of Curry. Back in 2016, when Curry yet again was coming off of injury and he, um, and he missed the first three games of the second round against the Portland Trailblazers. In that series, in a five game series, Klay Thompson averaged 31 points on 49.5% shooting from the field, basically 50%, and then 50% from behind the arc, and then 94% from the free throw line. So again, I don't know like what y'all are still waiting on to crown Klay Thompson as, as the second best shooter of all time, but he's the second best shooter of all time. I feel like a lot of people, even me, are kind of hesitant because it's weird to put someone in that spot, in that argument, when they're not even the top guy on their own team. You know, 
So it almost feels like there's no way because Curry's already on that team. How could two of the best players in NBA history be on the and, same exact but they team? Are, That'd be crazy. But they are. But, but they might be. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's the second best of all. So time. who's who's I'd second then? Do, I don't know. I'd have to do a lot more yeah, research okay, before yeah, I decide. Yeah. I just know for a fact Curry is one. We all agree on that. Uh, but two, I think is I think it's more contested than than you're making it seem. Mm, uh, I still, I had I'm not sure if I said the warrior the Warriors in five, but uh, on my pre playoff brackets, of course, I had the Trailblazers moving on. <laughs> that was wrong. My only wrong prediction in the first round, uh, and couldn't have been more wrong because it was a sweep in the opposite direction. But I had the Golden State Warriors moving on in four in round two. I don't know if that would have applied. I think I would have changed it if the Pelicans made it, maybe maybe made it a five, especially in the way that they won. I think the Pelicans at home will find a way to pull out a game low. But I don't even want to talk about that specific series as much as I want to ask you this. Because I think we could agree Golden State is going to win that one. And going into it, I don't even know why people had question about it. It's the Warriors. Low, I saw your guy play off Rondo, wipe his sweat on a ball before Draymond went up, went up for a free throw. And it was the most disgusting play of unsportsmanlike conduct I've ever seen. Not only is it incredibly unsanitary, right? If he had Ebola, that (laughs) means Draymond would have attracted Ebola. That's what I'm telling you right now. There is no reason somebody should be... Maybe maybe untying your shoes. I thought that was funny when Jarrett Smith did that. But you're wiping your sweat on the ball? That's just disgusting. I don't don't necessarily know... I don't know how you catch Ebola or Ebola, whatever, whatever it's called. But if he, if you can catch it through sweating, then he would just be giving it to everyone because he's contacting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I'm just it's through bodily. Okay, fluid, so that so, but, so that right, it was a, a terrible yeah. um, analogy. Uh, so no, it was. Fantastic I mean, I mean, analogy, I guess man. if it works, but I mean, it, it doesn't matter about the ball. If he's sweating and it's a contact sport, everyone is catching it. So that that's one. Two, um, I mean, not e- everybody, because he'd be on an airplane to the next spot. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, any, anybody on the court that he makes contact with when he's sweating. Okay, yeah. you're, I mean, come on, come on. You're you're, you're microanalyzing. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I mean, it, it wasn't that. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is, it really wasn't that funny. So that's one. Two, um, <laughs> I mean, that's not the first time I've seen people do crazy <laughs> things handing them to the free throw line. No, nah, that's the first time you've seen that. Yeah, but, the, you know, the craziest thing I saw, I came in, it was earlier this season, and I've seen it before, but it happened again this year. And I think it was Jimmy Butler at the free throw line, or Jimmy Butler walked up to somebody, and he whispered in their ear, like, hey, yo, don't miss this shot. And he missed it. What? I can't, I, I can't remember that. who it was, but Jimmy, I, I can't remember Jimmy Butler was shooting it, or Jimmy Butler was the one who came up to whisper in the, in the person's ear, but it's something that had to do with Jimmy Butler. And I remember walked up to the ear and said, Hey, don't miss this shot, man. And they end up missing the shot. That's, that's crazy. Cause like the fact that you would even do that. And then there's also, um, there's also different, um, stories that ex NBA players tell about when someone's on the free throw line. Like I think it was John Starks. I think Xavier McDaniel McDaniels came with John Starks and, and told John Starks, Hey, yo, man, you know, if you miss this free throw, we're going to lose, right? And I was like, bro, why are you telling him that? Like, why are you putting that much pressure on him? That's to his own Yeah, team. he did it to his own team. And I'm like, bro, like, what are you doing right now? And of course he missed a free throw. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, come on, cut the cap. That's it. Okay. So I was thinking about this during the Raptors game while they were choking. And it was interesting. Let's say, let's say you're the leader of a team, low. And it's the fourth quarter. 
and you guys are down three. There's two minutes left. I'm the kind of guy that instead of trying to play things down, like, yo, just play our game. We'll be all right. I would be doing the exact opposite. I'd be like, yo, if, if yo, this one, big time players make big time plays. If you're not ready to make a big time play, well, that means closing out or making the shot, setting the screen. Now, I don't even want you to stand up. Like, I would be that kind of guy. And I almost feel like the Cavaliers, the Warriors, the teams that are successful almost hold that same attitude. Like, you have to be willing to make big plays. Instead of trying to do what I feel like the Raptors do a lot of the time is just, yeah, bro, we're cool, man. We're chilling, bro. Relax. You know, just play what we do and do what we, you know. So almost, weirdly enough, if if someone whispered that shit in my ear, it might have just motivated me to make the shot. But then again, uh... I'm a horribly terrible free throw shooter. I might be like 50%, man. I was I was in my rec league low. I don't went uh like 12 for like 30 in the free throw line throughout the season. I don't know what the number was. It was horrible though. So 12 for uh, 30 for like the entire two seasons that you played cuz I know you didn't get that much playing time. But we play a lot of games throughout. I know, the but you don't get that much playing time, so it took you 2 years to amount to 30. Man, it's five guys sign up. Like you can't not get playing time. <laughs> oh, that's not a that's not a what real week. It's like a pickup game. Chill out, agent. Chill out. No, it's intermural. You want it with you. If it's you only but it's, a, guys, if it's only right. five guys, there's no like rotation. And no, 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 no. I mean, there's six and seven, but six and seven don't show up if one and five is there. What are they just gonna sit there? And oh, do okay. Nothing? Like, but you, just, but you, but you, but you, but you were the other guy we coming sh- off the bench though. You were the six guy. He's a six man, right? I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't really that nice. I had like a, I had a player who. Was I on know the you weren't agent. The... I'm happy you're not lying. Okay, okay. I know you Before were not you that good. Thoughts. There was a, a one of the guys on the practice team. Our, our our school team, by the way, is number two in Canada. So like they were pretty fantastic, and he would play it. He played the courts a lot, and so I don't know why he's like, "Yo, uh, Dean, you want a hoop?" And I'm like, "Yo, f- of course, man, of course." I, you, I don't know if you want my talent. He said, "Nah." We'll be good, bro. We'll be and so I pretty much had an all star team. It was almost like cheating. So you were um, basically like the Zaza Pachulia? I was like no, no, no. I think I was like I was almost like CJ Miles. Oh, come on. That's too much credit. Come on. Cut it. What's, what's wrong with Cut, that? Come on. CJ so you were, you was really like Zaza. You <laughs> Zaza. You Zaza. Zaza. That's cool. That's cool. But okay, okay. That's crazy. Who would whisper that in their teammates' ear? That is, that is, that is different. All man. right. So before I wish, go ahead, go no, 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 no. We need to get a sports psychologist on the podcast. Dead ass. I'm not playing For around. What? I really, because I want to ask some questions. I want to ask questions like, like, what do you tell a player like uh, Kyle Lowry who struggled in the past going into the playoffs? What he has to do to succeed and be dominant this don't year? Don't be, and, don't like, be trash. That's that's what you say. No, but I want to like. What are the exercises or what are the activities that they make the players work through? Wouldn't that be yo, yo? Someone tweet at me if y'all want to see a sports psychologist on the podcast. That would that would be fantastic, man. That would be so fantastic. I almost took a course in sports psychology until I dropped out low. Look, uh, before we I'm super- before we end this podcast, because it's about that time, I, I do want to say this because I, I don't want to forget about it. Um, I, that, I, you just passed by my brilliant. No, because yeah, because that definitely that idea was taking a little bit, a little bit too much time. Um, Carmelo Anthony, let's let's go ahead and get this out the way real quick. What 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 does he have to do, bro? He's eliminated already. He's eliminated, but they had their exit interviews. And, oh, okay, go and. Ahead. For people out there who don't necessarily understand the full context, let me 
date it back a little bit real quick so I can jog your memory. Before the season began, Carmelo Anthony was asked a few times, and it was definitely rumored, of the possibility of him coming off the bench. Just to, you know, paraphrase what exactly happened when he was asked in the beginning of the season, if you if he were to accept that role, he laughed at it. He said, ha ha, AOP. They said, I got to come off the bench. So that made it pretty clear that, yeah, he's not coming off the bench. During the regular season, they were struggling. It was asked again of him. What about, you know, anything changing up of any roles or some some different lineup change? Oh, no, 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 no. We ain't got to do that. No, we ain't got to do that. Come on, we ain't got to do that. So he was, again, he was like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to change any any roles or anything like that. Anybody coming off the bench? But then in the playoffs, in game five particularly, when they uh they came back and they were able to mount a comeback against the Utah Jazz, Paul George and Russell Westbrook were going off, and the defense was very cohesive with Carmelo Anthony on the bench. So only naturally, once they lost the game, and once they lost game six, excuse me, and they lost series, it was asked of Carmelo Anthony during his exit interview, one more time, are you willing to accept a different role and to come off the bench? And for the people that were in the back, and for the media members who may not have gotten the uh, the memo, because apparently there's still some people who still believe that Carmelo Anthony is of this character and this caliber to sacrifice anything. He straight up said, nah, I'm not sacrificing no starting role, so we done with that. Straight up said it. And, he's, and I'm paraphrasing, but as soon as he said sacrificing, I'm not sacrificing. He made it extremely clear. That he understands the context that we were referring to, him sacrificing some role as he plays for a new team, him him being uh, held to a different accountability, him holding different responsibilities on this organization. And he straight up said, no, nah, I'm not sacrificing. So for the people out there who think that I hate Carmelo Anthony or who think that I'm going to cape for somebody who openly admits that he's not going to sacrifice you you clearly did you miss the next part well what what he say what else he say he he said after that that uh he's not willing to sacrifice sitting on the bench but he brought up but he said and it's it's, it's weird because he almost wanted to say it but he's like nah this is my bag though he's oh like, yeah that part too yeah that part sacrificing yeah, yeah. he was almost open to the idea of potentially restructuring a contract or maybe not taking his option next year but how Im- that's incredibly important, though, because you're basically telling Paul George, if you're not willing to sit on the bench or because Paul Pierce was on the air and he said there was a certain time where I thought I could start for the Clippers, but he told me to sit on the bench and I did what was best for the team because, of course, he had the championship in his sights. So anytime you have the championship in your sights, you're going to have to stop going in the low post if your name is Chris Bosh and start spotting up from three. You're going to have to relinquish ball handling responsibilities if your name is Dwayne Wade. And you're going to have to give over the reins to LeBron James. You're going to have to make sacrifices. That's what comes with winning. So Paul George is going to hear that and think to himself, like, of course you can get more money if you stay with the Thunder. But Carmelo Anthony has a, a juicy $28 million contract. He, he Go ahead, get the bag, right? But if your name is Paul George, you're looking at that like, yo, his priorities aren't with winning. And if Paul George's priorities are then I can't see why he would stay with the team, even though Paul George said he's, of course, looking forward to coming back, etc. Et I mean, everything you would expect someone to say, because they're not openly going to say, 
I'm out. Peace. And then, and this is the reason why I enjoy doing a podcast with you because you basically read my mind. The fact that Carmelo Anthony, Aww. well, what a face. The fact that Carmelo Anthony <laughs> is so arrogant and his head is so far up his own ass that he cannot even think beyond himself and have zero self-awareness to understand him coming out and publicly saying that I'm not going to sacrifice a starting role could potentially be the difference of Paul George staying or leaving. Even if he didn't want to sacrifice it low, he should have just said, that's what I'm saying. I mean, at least, at least put on some type of front. Like it's at least fake it till you make it, right? Like at least come out and say at, at least until Paul George. Yeah, that's resigns, what I'm saying. Right? Like at least try to fix, <laughs> at least try to like convince PG to stay first. But no, he he is so far gone that he doesn't care what it is that anybody else thinks. He knows for a fact I'm still a starting caliber player in the NBA. And I'm gonna tell you right now, Carmelo Anthony, you are not. You're not a starting caliber player in the league. I don't care if you were playing for the the uh, Pistons. I don't care if you're playing for the Phoenix Suns. I don't care if you're playing for the Memphis Grizzlies. You are not a starting player in the NBA moving forward. You're just not. Because the productivity and the way that people must play around you for you to be productive scoring-wise is detrimental not only to your own efficiency, but to everyone else on the team. And so if I can have a grant start in your place... And he's going to give me 10 points because you're obviously, you, Carmelo Anthony is, is definitely not giving no one 20 points on, while he's playing with the Thunder, right? So if we're, we're talking about him dropping down to 15 to 16 points, I'd much rather have Grant give me 10 points while give me effort on a defensive end because that's a positive where Carmelo Anthony is a negative. Because if you're only giving me 16 points on poor shooting efficiency, then it doesn't help me out. But even if you were shooting, let's say, 45% from the field and 37% from behind the arc, it would still be more beneficial. It would still be more, it would be, it would still be benefiting me much greater if I start Grant, even if he was giving me 10 to 12 points, because he's going to give me better effort on a defensive end. But this whole, Oh, they, they weren't prepared for me and we had to throw something at the last minute because, you know, they just didn't have the offense ready for me. Part of that is your fault, Carmelo, because you waited till the last second to accept them to remove your trade clause to trade you. That is still part of your fault. So this whole, I don't, I don't know where Carmelo's at in his career. I don't know where he's at mentally, but I'm going to tell you right now, Carmelo, it's not 2008, it's 2018, my guy. You're not in Denver. You didn't just get to New York. You are 16 years in. It's okay to come off the bench. It's fine. I don't know why you think anybody's going to think of you any less if you come off the bench. I don't know. If if Vince Carter and Paul Pierce and Dwayne Wade are okay, sacrifice to coming off the bench because they know it's that time in their career. And even though those players definitely believe they could start on a team, they're willing to go with coach and do what's best for the team. I don't know why he has that Kobe attitude, right? You, sh- you shouldn't have a Kobe attitude unless you're at Kobe status. Those are just the rules. There's no reason a player like Evan Turner, who for his whole career has been shooting so horribly, has a better percentage than you this year, man. Lo, I haven't seen a player, a quote-unquote star player, shoot this bad since Rudy Gay when he was playing for the Raptors. Rudy Gay shot 39% and was shooting so horribly, though, he banned box scores from the locker room. I'm not making Carmelo, this up. Carmelo, Carmelo might be at that level next year. 
And I wouldn't be surprised if he is because he's at he's right on the line of 40%. Literally, if he missed like 10 more shots this season, 20 more shots, he would be in the 39%. And then at that point, it's just it's it's really just a difference of 0.05%. But just in terms of perspective, the second you dip to the 30s in your field goal percentage, things aren't going to be looking pretty, man. If my name is Paul George, I don't know why I'd want to play with this team again. Uh they run a they run a very extinct version of basketball where they rely heavily on the talent of the team and of course they have talent but just move the ball man golden state has a lot of talent but they're not running isos they're moving the ball late game you might want to give it to kevin durant or stephen curry and ask them to work but throughout the game you cannot rely on isolation basketball i think because paul george played with frank vogel in a system that offensively was inconsistent but defensively had a lot of merit Man, when he reflects on the year he had in OKC, unless he's focused on the bag, I don't see why he would decide to return to that team. First round exit, he was able to do more with less with the Pacers in the Eastern Conference. So the fact that he was able to tag team with Russell Westbrook and underperform, get bounced by the Jazz, they're a great team, but you have a lot more talent on your team. That should never be the case. And of course, it all comes back down to the guy who, at one point, he just looks—he just looks like he doesn't have confidence. Lo, all those situations you mentioned about when he was saying he doesn't want to come off the bench—if uh, you look at the very first one, he had all the confidence in the world. As as the questions went on, and each time he had to re-answer the question of whether he wanted to come off the bench or whether he was willing to do it, he just lost more and more confidence because you I mean at a certain point you shoot forty percent for long enough, man, it's gonna get to you, right? It might just be like when Rudy Gay left the Raptors. What team did they trade him to? I believe uh, what team was Patrick Patterson on? The Kings. Uh, They traded him to the Kings. And he began to perform better. Like he was shooting better and the system worked better for him. So I'm not willing to say Melo is done or he's trash or what. But he's trash. He's with done OKC. with what a starting. He's done with a starting role, especially if he wants to be if he's on done a starting. If, if he if he wants to be on a playoff team, he's definitely done as a starter. There there. No, I. I oh no no no, 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 no! Let me let me let me. Okay, let me now. Let me, let me just say this: You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, then, because if there, I'm not saying he's gonna be a star. No, no. Starting so is name like, me a team that has a chance to make the playoffs as mellow as the starter. Playoffs or the finals? I said no. I'm just I'm lowering the bar because we. This is what we continue to do for Carmelo Anthony, which is lower the bar. I'm lowering the bar so much so where Carmelo Anthony has to be a starter for a playoff team. Name me that team. Honestly, he can't defend, and he's inconsistent at best on offense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay him ten million to be on my team. I don't think he would be of any use. I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I wouldn't want him on a team that I think would want to make the play. Like, which is which, okay. And I'll say it, this, this: that's probably the reason why he may be willing to sacrifice financially because he knows that if he's able to get into a contract situation, such as like like you said, like ten the the twelve million for. I mean, each year for the next four years, that will be more financially benefit. It'll, it'll financially benefit right. him more than just a one-time payout of twenty-eight million, and he'll be able to consistently feed off of you know twelve million, and that will that will amount to what around forty-eight, almost fifty million for within a four-year stretch. But all I'm saying is this: I don't know of a a team that has the ability to make the playoffs that Carmelo Anthony can start on. 
That team does not exist. That team doesn't exist. Uh, you might you might be right about that. So Carmelo uh, Anthony, if you're listening, which I mean I'm pretty sure you're not, but if you are listening, you are. I mean he has. Time. Yeah, you do got some time. <laughs> Yo, Carmelo, you are a Hall of Famer, but you are also past your prime. It is okay and it is fine because no one is going to view you any lesser of a player if you come off the bench. People people are not going to do that because even with you contributing or whatever you're going to contribute as a starter, you're probably going to do the exact same thing coming off the bench anyway. So I don't understand like I, this idea that like he's going to be like a 10-point scorer coming off the bench. That's that's crazy. That's ludicrous. And if Carmelo Anthony, like you said you um you cited the um Paul Pierce um interview. And I and I understand what Paul Pierce is coming from. It's harder to get into your it wasn't rhythm. Really an interview. Oh yeah, was he was show, on the jumper. But, I, but, yeah. yeah, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah. When you when you cited that and Paul Pierce was saying it's just harder to get into your rhythm and things of that nature. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's not true or not. But if Carmelo Anthony is supposed to be one of the greatest scorers of all time, him going from a starting role to him not getting some playing time until like four or five minutes into the first quarter, if that disrupts his flow so much so to where he's just not productive anymore, then he's not one of the greatest scorers of all time. Period. You're just not. I I don't I disagree with that. Even if his output decreases this far into his career, I wouldn't. Oh no no, it's 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 gonna it's gonna decrease. But if we go to a point where you're coming off the bench all of a sudden and you you like you're shooting now like in the thirty percent just because you're not a starter, that's crazy. Like that, no, then no, 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 no. Okay, uh, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, my guy. Like Carmelo Anthony was the first jersey I ever got, man. I used, he used to be one of my favorite players when he was on the Nuggets. I'm man. looking at to... my Melo jersey as we speak. And it's, it's the Nuggets <laughs> and everything. That's the reason why people kill me with this whole, like, you must hate these players, bro. Like, nah, like, I, I don't have a, I, I'm not the biggest Melo fan because of certain incidents, like, incidences like this, where it's just like, Jesus, like, you're just going to flat out just say you're not going to sacrifice. That's, that's crazy. But man, I got a mellow jersey, man. I I got a even for the people who think that I hate the um the uh, the Pistons, man. I got a Rip Hamilton jersey. I'm looking at him right now, bro. I used to fuck with Rip. Man, Hamilton I, I got so the jerseys, man. Like I I fuck with them heavy, man. I'm a basketball fan. I need to get me a D Mitch jersey and I need to get me a Vic jersey. I got to get me a Mitchell and a Vic jersey, man. But I I, I fuck with these people heavy. It's just that I I can't I can't. Keep sitting here caping for ridiculous statements like I'm not sacrificing a starting role when you're going into your 16 year in your career. Like that's that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh. So on that note, I mean, I don't know. There's there's really not much else to say on that Carmelo bit. Uh, if I was Carmelo, I'm not gonna lie to you, low 16 years into your career, bro. Take the 28 million. You know, at that point, you could decide whether you want to stay in the NBA and play some sort of bench role or just move on and like you know you did what you needed to do man you just chill at the banana boat wait on Chris Paul you know LeBron James they they can come eventually you know, but isn't that crazy to you low I know LeBron came out of high school and I think Carmelo played a year he might have played more but I know he played at least one year in Syracuse isn't that crazy that LeBron is still performing like this and we're seeing players in his draft class granted some of them played some time in college just dramatically decreasing their output not just offensively but in general overall their whole game man if lebron i some people think like i have something against him 
that is incredibly impressive. This is late into his career to be performing this well, this efficient. I mean, outside of Game 1 versus the Raptors, the entire playoffs he's been playing great. It's, it's really a sight to be second, seen. Se- man. Second, really, second greatest look- player of all time, right? Why do we have to do that, bro? Why would every time we, we, we every time we celebrate a player, we just gotta start comparing them to everybody else, man? Oh, I'm just playing with you, man. Jesus Christ! We just, let's forget the comparisons. Let's just yeah, it, it, it's, appreciate it's impre- greatness it's, it's right now. It's impressive. Anytime I see a player like Carmelo be in a situation that he's in right now, or a player like Westbrook underperform, you look at LeBron this deep into his career. He's 16 years pro. He's, well, he's, he's 15, 15 going into his 16th year. Well, it's, 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 it's basically been impressive. 16, probably 17 years with how many deep playoff runs he's had, though. To be honest with you. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. That is a fact. Uh, on that note, Lo, we, we'll move into our highlight player of the podcast, uh, man. You yeah, got highlight player of the pad. Um, did we, we, I think we, I think last time, yeah, cause I, I did the whole, um, spew about them. So I'm, I'm gonna go with, um, Terry Rozier. Man, uh, he's been, like we said earlier, consistent offense for them. He's been able to consistently go out there, give them points, be efficient at it as well, uh, knocking down his threes. And the step up in the absence of Kyrie Irving is very impressive and pushing them into the second round and, and maybe even giving some struggles and some problems to the, um, the Philadelphia 76ers, man. I got to give a huge shout out to him, man. All right. I'm going to give mine to JJ Reddick, who, when he first signed with the 76ers, I was wondering why, because he came off playing with the Clippers, who actually had a shot at a championship. It almost felt like he was taking a step back for a team that wasn't there yet. And for that bag, too. Leadership. He got that bag, Be- Yeah, he got $23 million. So I was wondering why the 76ers did the deal. Outside of the fact that you have to meet a minimum amount of payroll that you're paying to the players. And the 76ers were so dramatically close to being under it and having to pay a penalty. So... uh they ended up paying J.J. Redick, and I knew he was a great shooter, of course. He's even pretty decent defensively, but I didn't know he was going to be like this, man. He's really, really, really leading that team, and I know people like to look at the youngins like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and they see him as the future, etc., but man, if we don't put some respect on what J.J. Redick's been able to do with that team, because it is difficult for young players to grow up and see this kind of immediate success and a lot of that comes with, and part of the reason why Kevin Garnett returned to the Timberwolves is to provide some sort of veteran leadership for folks who've been there and done that. And then to just be so efficient on the court, off the court, I think his impact has been there. Plus, his podcast is lit, uh, and he seems like a pretty Face. cool guy. Shout out to JJ Reddick, man. He deserves some respect. So all that being said, people, shout out to all my podcast people out there. Shout out to you all rating us five stars and continue to show us support. Um... And uh, thank you all for watching another episode of the Off Top Podcast, better known as the... You doing it so early. You know what's crazy? That does not count. That does not count. Okay. That does not count. So, like I said before, peace. Oh, you didn't even do that. No, it's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead already. It's dead. It's dead. We done. You're a snake. You know what's crazy? I'm editing all of this out just so they know for a fact that it's that's the that's the end of the podcast, bro. <laughs> Honey. Honey. What? I can't, I can't sleep. Oh. Would you mind if I put on some white noise? Yeah, sure, babe. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> so much better.
It's hard to be without your bike. So do something easy and protect it with Progressive Motorcycle Insurance. And when you ride with us for four straight years without an accident, we won't count your first one against you, no matter how much it costs. Visit Progressive.com to quote today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Accident forgiveness not available in all states.